Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Right Perspective. We need you to stop what you're doing right now and like, share, subscribe, <laughs> okay? Whatever platform you're using, audio, video, subscribe, okay? And we need you to do it on every platform that you use to engage with us. We need uh, them likes, okay? Make it happen, please. We love you, okay? And today, listen and shout you, out to you. The... Ever want to know what it's like to be Janaya Sibley? Just, <laughs> just got a little. <laughs> and shout out to the six hundred followers on Facebook. Yes. What? Where did y'all come from? <laughs> <laughs> and invite your cousins. We That's appreciate right. every That's single right. last That's one. All of you. And y'all, you know. Today, the movie we're going to recap and review is really something that was on rotation in our childhood home. Big Indeed. time. Very Big time. time. This is what Mary I remember. Mary Poppins. <laughs> How could you not? Like, <laughs> Mary Poppins, the 1964 Walt Disney musical fantasy starring Julie Andrews, okay? And featuring Dick Van Dyke, David Tomlinson, and Glennis Johns in supporting roles. The film was directed by Robert Stevenson and it was with songs written and composed by the Sherman brothers. And it's no mistake that we chose this movie for this particular episode because this month, October, is Julie Andrews' birthday month. And so we love you, Julie Andrews. And we, we want love to you. Say happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Many, many happy childhood memories. Many. And y'all, this film which, you know, it combined live action and animation, you know, so it was really important in that way. But it's it was actually Julie Andrews, it was her first feature film. So it was her feature film debut. And it was the highest grossing film of 1964. And at the time of its release, it was Disney's highest grossing film ever, okay? It made $103.1 million on 4.4 to $6 million budget. It ended up receiving a total of 13 Academy Award nominations. It won five. It was nominated for four Golden Globes. It won one. Wow. In 2013, the film was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Okay. And, you know, there is a stage musical called Mary Poppins, okay? And it is, in terms of the actual content, it pulled from the original source materials, which was a series of children's books, Mary Poppins, a series of children's books by an author named P.L. Travers. But it also pulled from this film, from the 1964 film, and it's a fusion of both. And it definitely included songs from the film, so songs that were originally performed by Julie Andrews, it started in London in 2004, and it was in it was in Broadway, uh, on Broadway in New York from 2006 to 2013. So the legacy of Mary Poppins, y'all, is just it's just continues. It's present. There was actually um, a sequel that came out in 2018 called Mary Poppins Returns, starring Emily Blount. So you know the legacy of Mary Poppins it just continues, and for some, these facts would be enough. <laughs> to consider this movie a classic. Uh, but today, we will determine whether it is a classic from the right perspective. 
We'll do a recap. We'll discuss the movie. And then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol that we pick, especially for this discussion. But we got to start with intros. Kick us off, bro. Hi, I'm Aubrey Wright. I'm the oldest. I'm Janiah Wright. I'm the middle. I'm Brittany Wright, and I'm the youngest. There is only one possible Ooh. symbol. Okay, only what one. is it? It's the umbrella. It has to be the umbrella. And, and it's not just, I mean, what, what makes not, you say the umbrella? Well, first of all, the umbrella is iconic in, in when it comes to Mary Poppins. Mm. Just like even in that that recent, I forget which I think it was Guardians of Galaxy 2, I think it was two or three, I can't remember. But um when he looked he was he looked like Mary Poppins because he was, you know, he was in the same position. And he didn't know he was an alien, of course. And so when they told him, you look like Mary Poppins, he was like, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, you know, <laughs> in, in in that movie, because that position of floating on the uh the umbrella is synonymous with it. Mm -hmm. But not only that, in the movie, when the um umbrellas are present for everybody, which is another thing, you know, just umbrellas all around. And then when they were, I forget, it, I'm, I'm blanking on his name for whatever reason, but the dad, Mr. Banks, I, I don't know how, how, how that points on that, but um, when they were excommunicating him, they have to the do first that. thing they did was to <laughs> it's so umbrella. Funny. I was like, what? It's like, right now. The <laughs> to teach him a valuable <laughs> lesson. It was just like, what is the worst thing we can do to you? <laughs> we'll flip this umbrella. Ugh. And then they punch a hole in the top of his head. And then he puts a <laughs> hole in his head. But, but I'm just saying. Who even imagine that scene? I'm yes. sorry. Hilarious. Anything not to make you look like a proper gentleman anymore. Yes. yes. <laughs> You're now a scoundrel. You're a scoundrel. That's right. And at the end, and at the end, when, when the movie was wrapping up, who was she talking to? She was talking to the umbrella because and they were given the, the the major morals of she was like the kids have forgotten about you but you know it's, it's like the kids have forgotten about you it's like and she's like yeah that's the point the point of me being here was so that i don't need to be here that's mm -hmm. why that, that's why i'm here and that was uh so even on the you know the philosophical janaya side mm -hmm. you you still got the the umbrella you know what i mean mm -hmm. so, yeah so, I absolutely thought the umbrella or the boots because her. No, the boots could have been a contender. Her, it's iconic with her feet being completely. I don't even know how. To, what is it, that position called when your feet are completely straight out like? Demi plie. I don't know if that was right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like Boom. first position. Isn't that <laughs> first position? <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Then listen, whatever it is. Were you in ballet for like three weeks? <laughs> I definitely had a little stint. Yeah. I had a little stint. Seems like you should know that. But no, Brad, I, I didn't think about that, but the, the boots could have been a... <laughs> Not three weeks in elementary school. She should know that. <laughs> but the boots could have been good. The boots could have been good, too. I didn't think about that. Because that position and the turned up, that yeah. is also very, very much Mary Poppins. <laughs> well, I, I agree. That brother's yeah. good. I, I, I'm sold. Um, I'm sold. I love it. It sounds like Britt, you're 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 in it too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, y'all, there you have it. <laughs> uh, our voting symbol will be the umbrella, y'all. In order for this movie to be considered a classic from the right perspective, it will need to receive 
not one, not two, but three umbrellas. And if it receives three umbrellas, it will be considered a classic from the right perspective. Now, we'll kick off right now. Before we get into our discussion, we will do a recap. You know, um, and that is because just like as usual, this content is old and dusty. Okay. We stay doing old dusty content on the Right Perspective podcast. And sometimes people haven't seen the content in a while or they haven't seen it at all. And they still want to enjoy the podcast. So we do a spoiler filled recap uh, at the top, you know, just so we're all on the same page for the conversation. (laughs) So let's do a quick recap here. Mary Poppins takes place in 1910, and it tells the story of the Banks family. The father, George Banks, who is played by David Tomlinson, is a banker that over-indexes on work and believes in an orderly home and orderly children. The mother, played by Glennis Johns, is a suffragette that is always running off to some protest or another. The household also includes a cook, a maid, and a nanny. At the beginning of the movie, the two children, Jane, played by Karen Dotris, and Michael, played by Matthew Garber, have just run off another nanny. And frankly, she was just (laughs) tired of the children running away all the time and generally being disobedient. And it turns out that they had been churning through nannies. They had just been, you know, nannies coming, nannies going, you know. The father blames the mother for doing a horrible job of picking nannies. And then he decides to take take matters into his own hands, okay? And he places an ad in the Times to get a new nanny. And while he was drafting his ad for the Times, the children have written their own ad. He wanted a nanny into strictness and discipline. And the kids wanted a nanny that was kind and into games. The father ripped up the children's ad and threw it in the fireplace. The day of the nanny interviews, a strange wind came and blew all of the nannies away that had come in response to the father's ad. The only nanny that remained had literally floated down from the heavens and her name was Mary Poppins. And she had inexplicably come in response to the ad drawn up by the children that the father had ripped up and put in the fireplace. She definitely, you know, kind of manipulated the father into hiring her. And then she proceeded to take the children on a series of magical adventures, such as jumping into a chalk painting to experience the countryside and carousel that lived in the art and laughing so hard that they floated up to the ceiling to have a tea party. She teaches them fun words like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, a word you say when you don't know what to say. And she also <laughs> introduces them to fun people like a local jack of all trades that accompanied them on their various adventures named Bert, played by Dick Van Dyke. Eventually, the father gets tired of hearing these stories of these silly adventures, and he attempts to tell Mary Poppins to get her act together. But somehow, by the end of the conversation, she had tricked him into agreeing (laughs) to take the children to work with him the next day, something that never would have happened otherwise. The kids didn't even believe it at first because their father never took them on outings. The day turns into a disaster when the son refuses to deposit his savings into the father's bank. Bank customers overhear his refusal They think something is up with the bank and they start to demand their money back from the bank, causing massive confusion. And the father ends up getting fired from the bank. Surprisingly, though, the father, instead of feeling heartbroken or angry about being fired, he laughs 
and tells jokes because he finally realizes that the job is not his life. His family is his life. And if not for this incident, it ne he never would have had this realization. He goes home and he takes his family out to fly kites. Even the wife, who had earlier in the movie opted to leave the children with a stranger rather than miss one of her community events, she tied her coveted suffragette scarf onto the end of the kite and happily went to the park with her family. Eventually, the father does get his job back and Mary Poppins floats back into the clouds but it's clear that the family would never be the same again. The end. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Amazing review. And y'all, I have to say- I actually thought that was going to be a difficult movie to summarize because there is a plot there, but it's very, like it's there, <laughs> but it's more just a way to get them to the next set piece. This is why Janaya writes those because mine would have been a magical nanny came and helped the family. Yeah, I mean, and we would have started the review. I mean, that's called a log No, I mean, they, 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 there was an arc there. There was an arc there for the dad, especially. <laughs> it you was. Know what I'm there was an arc <laughs> yeah. there for the dad, but mainly, this is look at what we can do now. This is pretty cool. We're about to show you how we can have. Dick Van Dyke dancing with penguins. It's going to be awesome. Trust us. <laughs> bro, bro, it's so crazy that you would say that it just was like the, the storyline was a little, little loose there was because the actual children's books, the Mary Poppins children's books that this that it was based on was really just a series of adventures. And so right. one of the things they talked about in the documentary, the making of Mary Poppins, they talked about this. They were like, you know, we had to create some kind of overarching. Yeah, we had to do something. Because, because it was really just the nanny pops in, has an adventure, and nanny would leave. Gotcha, yeah. okay. And that's what it feels like, so that's good. I feel like they gave a little story and kept the feeling, you know, that, that you're supposed to have. So and good. and it truly it truly felt like a children's film. Like I think sometimes like it did for me the content we watch I would call it family content sometimes that we watched when we were little. Yeah. But this one I was watching it now it felt like a children's film. What what did y'all think? Did it feel like family programming or did it feel like a kids film? It felt like a kids film to me when I was watching it. I was saying to myself. This just seems like a child's imagination. Yeah. That was the only thing that I just kept thinking the entire time I was watching. It, it could have definitely been a dream, like the whole like, like a shared dream. You're you're <laughs> you are literally like, and this is a really a shout out to caregivers, right? Like you <laughs> to 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 caregivers, teachers, people who take care of the minds and the imaginations and also doing their best to preserve the innocence. Mm of children, you do a lot, you do a ton. Mm -hmm. And for her, it was teaching them lessons, but also, you know, you have to take the medicine, but a spoonful of sugar with it, right? You, you know, just helping them to see that these things are important. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it definitely felt like a, a fun children's movie to me with that can keep them interested and also teach them something. Mm. And Sith, you saying that, it makes me think of, and I did not do a good job of keeping the notes about it when I was taking notes watching it, but there were so many little nuggets that were in there that were lessons 
for children. And I thought the movie did a good job of ex- like making them explicit. You know, the one that comes to mind for me that I did write down was when, um, you know, she said to them, enough is as good as a feast. <clears throat> you know, like she just had all these little sayings that children were wanting, you know, wanting more and more and more. And she's like, sometimes enough is as good as a feast. You know, she had yeah. a bunch of those little sayings like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down that were clear lessons for children. Do y'all remember any of the other ones? Like just those little... I feel slightly the opposite. Not completely, but it's... I'm saying if me, if I was a parent, there are definitely messages that I would want communicated in, in the same way. You know, like I don't want my kids eating sugar with medicine. <laughs> like like that doesn't make any sense at all or, or or like i mean especially a spoonful that's that's <laughs> a bad situation like yes it tastes better but now you've done created a problem along with the medicine you know or <laughs> and i would say the the other one that really made me think about in the beginning was when she first got there and they were cleaning up the rooms and to me if it was a movie trying to teach kids lessons, they would have actually did it fun or some way, but it's like, now we actually clean the room. You know what I mean? Right. Like one little bit of trivia you can have for about me and Janiah is we, me and Janiah had a cleaning song <laughs> where we were cleaning our room as well. And we're not going to, no. I'm, I'm not about to sing it. <laughs> clean. Clean. <laughs> That was the hook. Oh, That's all y'all need to know. Okay. Uh, uh, that, that was the, that was the, that was the hook. That was the hook. That was how I brought in. Now we're not going to do the whole song for you. Maybe like maybe one day we will. I have to emotionally prepare myself to. That, we say we might even do it at the end. Of, end of, but anyway, the point is, is that she oh, came black with, people always have a song in their souls. But but what I'm saying is, is when Janai and I were singing this cleaning song. Which we actually recorded on her Fisher Price, uh, <laughs> our Fisher Price <laughs> recording yes, tape deck. We recorded because, and we were literally cleaning while we were while we were cleaning while we were singing the song, and that felt like what I would have liked to see. Like they were doing something, but they got to just snap, and then everything was going away. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I was really kind of like, you know, and then. They kind of watched her manipulate the dad, you know, into, into doing things. And so for me, I feel like it's more like a family movie in a sense okay. of- Okay, so not, bro, you just, you just really opened up a can of worms here in yeah. a good way, okay? <laughs> because bro, when I was watching this movie, I did not experience- what I thought was happening was that Mary Poppins was not actually magical, but that the children just felt like and remembered her as magical. So for example, what was actually happening is that they were just cleaning their room, but she found a way to engage their imaginations in a way that it made mm. it feel like it was happening magically. That's deep. Wow. That she didn't Jeez. actually come flying in um, and the other nannies got blown away in the wind. But that for the kids, because remember, it was them looking out the window that they saw the other nannies get blown away and they saw her come. Janaya, Janaya, for the you, kids, it Janaya, just you, that way. You usually lose me 
on this type of stuff. <laughs> you usually do. But I I am like I'm one I'm already 100 percent on board because the thing about it is is you realize certain things as you get older that certain memories you just create. Now th this is a definitely a, a fantastical example of that. Yes. But what I'm saying is it could very much be that when they were telling their parents what they wanted, that somehow that part got into the actual advertisement of, yes. uh, you know, and, and then this person or, just- Or she just came along and she fit the bill. Like she she matched what they wanted. And so, you know what I mean? Maybe- part Well, we'll see, but you see, know now you're taking me, I, I want to be way in okay. to this idea. And, and like, <laughs> and like to me, the manifestation of we're kids, we're telling you what we want. Yes. And you ignore that is the same as it getting ripped up and put in the fireplace. Yeah, you're but, so right, bro. But, but when this person still shows up and even when they planted those seeds while the parents were interviewing, it's like, okay, the kids did say this, this, and this. And, and it also lines up. Like I got you know, we got what we want, but it also lines up. Yes. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, if you think about the movie in that context, everything really kind of falls into place. I mean, you where, can where even did you think, think about this? Did you, did you feel like this was a magical nanny or that this was a, a, a person that to the children felt magical? And so that's how the story was being told. Well, I haven't thought about that concept until really now, but I've, I thought that she was a magical nanny that the children imagined. Like, I felt like the whole movie was just not even real. Mm. If that makes sense. Like, this was the children having a conversation. Like, it could have very well opened up the movie. Like, the kids sitting there, I wish we had a nanny that did this and did well, that. And they just created it. And, right. And they just created this person. Um, and they talk about really, her stuff. Right, but really okay. the deeper context of it is that yeah. that's what they, all the things that they were saying they wanted her to be, they wanted their parents to be. Mm. And so that was really mm. them like, well, if we can't get our parents to do it because our mom is always off doing a rally <laughs> and our dad <laughs> is always going to work and he and, and quite frankly, neither of them want to be bothered with us. Right. Um, but they simultaneously want us. And so I for me, it was them almost like a coping mechanism. Like, well, we wish we had someone that was doing these things. They created um, this whole world. Just a whole world, which okay. which a lot of people do in general. Man, right? A lot of people a, do it. We need the uh, audience to weigh in. Yeah. We need the audience to weigh in too. on this one. Y'all, is one Mary too. Poppins a real magical nanny? Is she just a, a reflection, a childhood reflection of um a person that was actually just you know um magical in their lives and therefore they think of her as magical or number three was she just a fantasy was she just something they made up and wished had happened but didn't really have a simple fantasy this is how the hood. This is how hood movies meet me. Before, before you're we, welcome. Before, <laughs> before we move on, I want to tell my idea, which is not as good as either of yours, and that I would not have told in public unless you all had your ideas. So I want to tell mine because 
my idea was that the only people who existed in this movie yeah. are the parents, the maid, the cook, and the chimney sweep. And they're just all on a really bad acid trip. <laughs> there you go. Rub. What if we had kids? Yeah, they're just. And... They're just... <laughs> <laughs> and then they they wanted a nanny. Somebody drugged but Previously, the nannies had not been good, but then we wanted one that was good. But then they they imagined one, but then she came down from the sky. No, Aubrey's movie is part of the Dare program. I, listen, I think <laughs> I think those people were tripping, and they were all walking around the house. Was nobody else there? Listen, so here's here's my also... here's my thought. Here's, my, here's here's how part of the reason I I got to this thought. It was that one of the one of the first very magical magical things that happens is that they are walking down the street, they the nanny and the two kids, and they see a chalk painting on the ground. Yeah, and they jump into the chalk painting. They actually jump into it, and to me, that is the same as, or could be the same as, an adult helping children to use their imaginations to go beyond I what they actually see. Well, what, you know, because I think that's what you do when you go to a museum, right? When we go to museums, we know, we look at the, we may look at something and say, how does it make us feel? What do we think is the story around this? What's the narrative around this piece? Uh, what else is happening that we don't see? What happened before? What happened after? That's how we all process art. And I could see an adult helping a child to do that with the freedom of a child's imagination. They could feel like they actually went in to the painting. I mean, both 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 of your ideas are really. I I do think. I do think this movie is is more simple than that in actuality. I think they were just, you know, it's just, just a magical nanny. I I do think that. I don't I don't I don't. But the thing is though, is movies are art just like anything is art. Art is about interpretation. And all I'm saying is, is both the ideas you explained, I feel trapped pretty, you know, yeah. onto that, that actual movie very I'll tell you well. one thing, the author didn't want them to interpret too much. <laughs> I would, because Janiah sent us the making of the Mary Poppins movie. And like, Walt Disney basically had to beg for this movie for like 10 years. And mm. then it was 20, like 20, 20 years. It was 20 years. And then like, she was very involved in how this movie was going to be portrayed. So mm. she didn't want too much interpretation, okay? And I so, 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 <laughs> what, so was the book about a magical nanny? P.L. Travers was this author uh, okay. that Brittany's talking about. <laughs> and um. this is a good question, bro. Um, I don't know if the book was about a magical nanny or if the book was about the children imagining a magical nanny. I don't know that I don't know which what it was, but um, one of the things, for example, that she cared a lot about was that um, she wanted to make sure that Walt Disney didn't make the father look like a bad guy. She just wanted the father to look like a busy guy, yeah. you know, and that's the kind of thing that could exist in either of these, Some you know, yeah. narratives, you know. Um, so I don't know, but that's a good question. But anyway, that, that, that's good. Well, I, I, I think that's all, I, I just think that'll make found it today fun. that there was like the little doc, it was about an hour documentary mm. 
about the book, the actual book, Mary Poppins. And I told Aubrey, we were talking about it for a second in the green room. Yeah. And we, we and what like, it has like this, like ominous type of music to it. And I was like, what, what's the real story? What's the, I plan to watch that later just to kind of see exactly what they're talking about in this, just to see, I'm like, why are you all making this seem like it's much more serious than I want it to be right now? But you know, that's what they're doing a lot now is like destroying our childhood. Like, oh yeah, that nursery rhyme is about the Black Plague. And it's like, oh, thank right, you. Listen, <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna stay positive here now. That road you're talking about is a dark road. Because that road you're talking about is a dark road. And it it covers so many things. It's so much stuff. (laughs) Please don't decode. Please. But I will say that I, one thing that I thought that I was adding to the movie that I felt was a little bit there, but it wasn't really, was this love relationship between Mary Poppins and Bert. I said, y'all got a little... I don't I feel, know though. See, I feel like Mary Poppins is a, like a like a flight attendant situation. So whenever yes. I'm in the city, we go out and we date. But then I leave, and that's it. We we just <laughs> Mary Poppins is a free agent. Like she's like, you know, when I'm in the city, we we talk, we chill. You remember me? I remember you. That's it. Nothing serious. But Britt, if you look at it in the context of what Janai is talking about, that's how a kid would interpret. It, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, like for for them, they wouldn't really understand what was going on nope. on that relationship. But I don't think I, I I actually wanted to talk about that because I I think they implied it enough that you know because there was definitely some uh, chemistry going on between Bert. Oh yes, it was, Annie. Y'all, I will yes. not allow. <laughs> and you. she was getting. To he add a sexual tension <laughs> between a Bert and Bert Mary, Mary Poppins, Poppins. I rejected. Yes, Don't re- you, you you can reject it all you want, but when we they were sitting at that table with the penguins, that's okay? right. And, and I wasn't completely in that thought process until your idea, sis, uh, Janaya, <laughs> because your idea makes it even make more sense because they weren't acting out of pocket around the kids. Nope. They weren't, you know what I mean? They weren't, which is exactly how it would be. Like, if they weren't in an official relationship, and they were, you know, hey, Mary come in to town every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how the way he was in all the adventures. <laughs> like, why, you know, and, 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 and all I'm just the saying, adventures? Come on. And then if you, if you hear some of the language Bert uses to describe Mary. that's bad. I'm just saying it's it's words it's it's words you would use to describe <laughs> to be like yeah I mean she's but you would dial it down into the nice words. Okay. This is another question for the people. Another question for the people was there something going on between Bert and Mary Poppins? Because when they were sitting at the table with the penguins, and he started naming all those women names because that's like the first, that's the original DMX song where DMX is naming all those women. Bert was naming all these women. <laughs> Bert was naming all these women. And Mary was like, now hold on now. <laughs> and then at the end, he got to, but then nobody can compare to Mary. Of course, which also means, Bert, you were in the streets. That's okay. We <laughs> That's the other uh, so what you doing, no, sweeping was, all them chimneys. 
You got a lot of jobs, Bert. <laughs> what would you with all you these jobs? A lot of chimneys, you know, real friendly to the people. You the a lot of chimneys. Bert. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Bert. He seems real careful. Everybody knows you in the town. You're cool with the police. He's cool Bert. with the cops. Yeah. He's a man mouth. about town. A man, Bert, man about town. town. <laughs> Bert is brother man. Bert is brother man. Okay. So and to answer you know your question. So interesting. Janelle, we He's just not... put the last. We just spent the last 40 minutes answering your question. Like, all she asked was, Do you think this was a children's movie? Or <laughs> and we just went down this whole rabbit hole. But I for me, I felt like it was a family We just got deep. But on the shallow end of it, I it felt more of a family movie to me because of the lessons to me weren't actual lessons. Mm. But it seemed like something that was fun for the kids to watch. But the real lessons were the adults. Like that's those the the, the father is the one who really learned something mm. throughout this throughout this movie. And I feel like for me, it did feel like a kids' movie because I was so impressed with the performances that I just felt like I was watching something I would watch. You yeah. know what I mean? So for well, me, it felt like more of a family movie. Let's go to the performances, bro. Let's go to the performances. Oh, yeah. And why don't we start with? Julie Andrews, who again, we are recording this in her birthday mm -hmm. month to celebrate yeah. her. Yes. And you know, she let's I, I want to just give a just a just a just a table, a teaspoon, okay, a half teaspoon of the Julie Andrews accomplishments. Okay. She is, she has won. First of all, her career has she's it spans seven decades. Okay. Because she started as a child acting. performer. Okay. Beautiful. She had a four octave range as a child, okay, and that is why. Mm. And she's that she was the parent. Her her parent her her mother and stepfather were performers, and so she grew up in a performance household. And because they were performers, she had um, an opportunity to get to the stage very early, okay. And it turned out she had all this talent, and they nurtured it. And she has now an Academy Award, a BAFTA Award, two Emmy Awards, three Grammy Awards, six Golden Globe Awards. She's been nominated for Tony Awards, okay? She's been honored with the Kennedy Center Honors. She's um, got, she's received the Screen Actors Guild Life Achievement Award, okay? The AFI Life Achievement Award. She was made a dame by Queen Elizabeth II. Okay, she has been in at least 39 movies, at least 43 different television shows, at least six Broadway musicals. And I'm saying at least mm -hmm. because I didn't check multiple sources to make sure I was comprehensive and more, y'all. Okay, so this is a career that has been epic and expansive. And this movie, Mary Poppins, was her first feature film. She had been on stages. She had already yeah. been thrown up on stage, but this was her first feature film. We talk often about uh, I hold the genesis of our podcast was talking about hood movies and musicals. That's that was the genesis because we spent a lot of time talking about hood movies and musicals as a, just as a group of siblings. And when we talk about somebody who's leading a musical, Julie Andrews is like the example. There, one of the examples that I'm talking about because. When she opens her mouth, it is effortless. And I love how, remember, even when you're talking about, David had a way for her to flex in this movie when she was singing to herself in the mirror. Yes. And um, when, they're, when they're singing, and, and she 
does the little run, you know what I mean? And she looked at her like cheeky, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, yeah. You no, know, I just wanted to quickly show y'all, like I'm I'm definitely tearing up all these songs, but I also yeah. wanted to show you it could be worse if I wanted, but that's I right. but that's I just right. want to keep it within the normal range. That's right. Of, this is for but, the children. This is for yeah, the we're, children. This is for the children. But I also want to show <laughs> and just a little I piece. Just, it, 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 the way it transitions, it's almost, I know they didn't record it like this, but it, it's just so good. It seems like the talking to scene is so seamless with her mm. that it's it's like, it's not like, you know how musicals you can sometimes hear the switch of the like acting yeah. mics or whatever to the to the and it's something that's cool. That's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, but for her, it's almost like she just started talking and then singing and it just flowed easily. And uh, so yeah, because her talent, like I, you know, there's something about when you. I'll just say this: you is very. I think it's rare when you can say someone is born for something. Mm. And it's like Julie Andrews through even just you being taught and your skill, but this is something that if 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 it was it was it's been it's in her like it is in her because it it flows through her so seamlessly. So I enjoy even right up to like Princess Diaries, right? Like thank you, sis. Thank you. That are more that are later. She has this very kind sass and in her roles and how she does and how she carries herself. And I just love that. I just, you know, so she's she's amazing to me. So and yeah. a true, a true com- good comedic timing. You know, sometimes yes. th- those are the things that you you I don't feel they can be taught. You know what I mean? Some of these actresses that just know how to bring humor into a situation that feels very real. And that is what Julie Andrews does. There were times in this movie where it was so subtle, it was a facial expression. Yeah. You know, or just a little head movement. And it was it was bringing a whole other kind of comedic interpretation to what she was saying or what she was doing because there were times in terms of the scripting for this movie where what she was saying was very straightforward. So for example, there was an ongoing, um, you know, kind of the, the way that they were handling her magic was that she would almost hate to use it, you know, they, yeah. you know, so something would happen and somebody would ask her to be magical and she would say, oh, if I must, you yeah. know, or like, <laughs> you know, and then she pulled out the magic and all of a sudden a, a smoke coming out of a smoke right. stack turns into stairs that the children can walk up. You know, um, and she would just so, but it would be in it was a simple line of if I must, but the way that she would convey it, it would actually make you giggle and laugh because she she could just bring that comedy into the performance. And I'm gonna tell y'all though, one of the things that I'm sorry, go ahead, sis. (laughs) We talk about those smoke stairs. I think I started leaning more towards Aubrey's version of this movie about (laughs) acid. Listen, my the smoke stairs. my idea is really Imagine bad. Imagine if my idea, my idea that was very bad. Your both both of your ideas were good, actual good ideas. Imagine mine was, was bad, but I feel like no I feel like I can make a loose, loose argument for it. <laughs> I feel 
feel like it's hilarious. I can't wait for I people love to it. comment and weigh in on that idea. <laughs> that to me, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about this. I, 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 everyone, thing if you weigh in on any idea, only way on his. <laughs> weigh in on Aubrey's. That's it. No Discuss the serious idea. <laughs> but you Sorry, know, the, um, the stairs, the stairs are actually not. I don't want to take us away from talking about the performances. Yeah, but the stairs are also an opportunity for us to just talk about. Um, you know, the fact that there were some really interesting special effects in this movie. Yes, and very much. As we're I talking so about impressed. the performances, it's important to name like that. It isn't enough just to be a good actor, you know, when you're in a situation where you're dealing with these kinds of special effects. So when we're talking about the performance of Julie Andrews, and then I think, why don't we go to Dick Van Dyke next? Got you. Those Absolutely. people, in addition to needing to act and needing to sing and needing to dance, they needed to do it with animated characters that were that they couldn't see. You know, the art of interacting with animation or the art of making sure that your body looks like you are flying so that later in editing, they can make it look like you are. You Absolutely. know, that's part of what Julie Andrews did so well. But why don't we talk about Dick Van Dyke, y'all? Because- Listen. Listen. Dick I Van love Dyke. me some Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> and Listen. I'm going to say one thing real quick. Do y'all know Dick Van Dyke had no dancing training before this movie? He was not a dancer. He wow. was not a dancer, y'all. And so he was in um in the documentary, he was talking about how they rehearsed like that scene, that chimney dance scene of the chimney sweeps. They rehearsed that for six weeks, you know, and they actually and, and he was like, and that was my that was my training. That was my dance training. And the actual choreographers were in the documentary and they were like, listen, trained dancers would have struggled to do some of the sequences he did in terms of the acrobatics that were included him flipping to and fro, hither and thither. Okay. And he had no dance training. This is a man who can just perform. Okay. He's so, oh, he's so good. I, and, and just to that point of the choreography, it impressed me so much that I had to look up the choreographer. I was like, who did this? Yeah. Because you're amazing. Um, but Dick Van Dyke, I enjoy him so much. His physical comedy <laughs> is so well done. Um, but I enjoy watching in the documentary him talk about how at the documentary at that time, the year before, because I think that documentary came out in like 2004 or something like that. And he said the year before he had just gotten voted as being one of the people with the worst British accents to, to ever like try to do one. Like he, and he was laughing about it. He enjoyed that um, because so, but just seeing when you see someone like that, that can laugh at themselves, but also have a good time. He created um, the way the Jane, I don't know her real name, but Jane as an adult was reflecting on him and how much fun he made the set. Uh, so and even right to Karen watching Dick Van Dotris. Karen Dotris. And even right to watching Dick Van Dyke in later movies, right? Like the museum. Like you, you're seeing him and who he is. He is an amazing force. So talented. Very funny. I love again, I love his um his his how he how he portrays his comedy. And then even down to the serious parts, um, where he was having to your question earlier says about some of the lessons the children were learning they got he started to help the children to have a different perspective the character Bert about their father 
because they were like, he doesn't like us. He doesn't love yeah. us. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, I think that he was like, your dad does love you. He said, but you have to think about it. Dads, they go through a lot and they don't have anyone to tell mm. when they go through things. Mm. They don't have anyone to confide in and who helps them when they need help. And so it was something to, to even to the author's point to show, this is not a bad man. He's just a busy man and he is a father trying to make sure that he is providing everything for his for the household right that's including wife children his the people who are employed by him he is doing his best to be all those things yes and um I appreciated just Bert's character even having that moment with the kids but also let's just talk about a community raising children (laughs) these kids would run off all of the places where are you going? But they always made it home safely. They well, yeah, it, it, was, it was clearly, it was clearly a different home. time. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a different time. And, 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 and even though them running off was bad, it probably, it's not bad in the context of how we think about it. You know, like, right. like us, like, what? You know, you, yeah, <laughs> but, but I just, I just think um, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke did most of the heavy lifting in terms of for me and first of all to keep that interesting for over two hours mm. is very unique mm-hmm. and how easy they did it and it, it's just people who are talented on that level and this will i don't know if i've ever said this before but it made me think of my favorite artist or one of my most favorite artists which is biggie smalls and my favorite song of Biggie Smalls is a song that's called I Got a Story to Tell. Now, it is a story that is much on the polar opposite of uh, yeah. Mary Poppins, but in the... Hood in, movies in, and musicals, I love it. Hood movies and musicals. <laughs> but I'm saying in the song, he raps the, the story and then he tells the story, just talking. And I, I've always been so impressed with people who their talent just looks like it just oozes out of them. It's like, I, like I'm not even trying right now. Yeah. Like, this is just yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and you know, you're you're it, like it's not hard for me. And that and that's how I feel watching those. It, it's like when you see them in, in a different way. And there's times where it's like Dick Van Dyke will let her shine, and then she'll let Dick Van Dyke shine. It's, it's like they both know their talent on a level that's just. We're just tearing this movie up. It, it, it's just, it, it oozes out. So I feel like it's some of the best performances I've ever seen in, in, in musicals. I'll just talk about this aimless mama that was in this here movie. <laughs> <laughs> How she was in the suffragette movement, but I was like, what you suffering from? I was, <laughs> I was laughing because I was like, you, this, it made me, laugh the fact that it was showing her be in this movement but she had maids nannies all the things I was like you what are you doing you don't and she was constantly deferring to the husband she was like a woman's liberation person but whatever the husband said she's like of course dear you know whatever you think you know and it made me wonder she was a fun character she was a fun character and it made me wonder though did they do that on purpose right to like kind of poke fun at that movement or was it 
just this is who she is just as this character um because the ones that probably would have been like really needing to <laughs> be the ones out there at the house they're baking they're cooking and and I always love a good sassy house worker I <laughs> I think they crack me up the fact that she was like could you watch the kids she was like no I'm doing I'm doing other things <laughs> no absolutely not like it's so true. anyway the, the, it was interesting because the father had a clear arc you know he truly we watched him go through a journey of like I'm really super busy and not able to focus on family and I have a perspective on how things should run to actually getting involved and then um realizing that he needed to prioritize differently by the end and for the mom you know I thought that she they did a good job of letting us see how how much she wasn't choosing home and how much she wasn't choosing the family but I thought they did a really fast job of 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 her turning things around, you know. Yeah. And in fact, and I had to almost make it up, you know, the only way that we saw that she had a turnaround was that she took her her coveted woman suffragette sad and allowed them to fly it at the end in that family moment. So it was almost her saying, this is this is not as important as me being with my family right now and this kite looking nice and fun for us. You know, let me continue yeah. to the kite, you know, because the father had 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 mended the kite and she she was wanted to be a part of the kite being fixed. And so she tied her sash to it so it would have a tail. Um, but they didn't really give her a story like that. I felt like she was more a mechanism for comic relief than anything else absolutely and, and yes. but i think i think it goes back to what you said before that that wasn't really the point of this movie like the point of this movie we're going to put a plot in there so it can have a plot you know what i mean but the point of this movie is to get to the set pieces so we can show you what we're doing you know what yeah. i mean so yeah so I, I i'm just saying i don't i don't know that like i think that if somebody was viewing this movie like in the final cut, they probably would have made that same observation. But then they'd be like, I mean, but I mean, this is this is really about <laughs> Dick Van Dyke dancing with cartoons. Right. Like if we're, if we're, this if is we're, really yeah, it. Yeah, we're we're getting down to it. <laughs> the actress that played the mom, by the way, I want to put her name out there, um, Glennis Johns. Yeah, she know. did an amazing job. She did. And she, she did, did a great in the job. documentary, you know, when they first approached her about being in the movie, she was like, well, I'll be in it, you know, but she was like, I would be more enticed to be in it if I had a little musical number. And that's when they added the woman's suffragette song that she oh, oh, in order okay, to gotcha. entice Glennis to be. Oh, that's cool. Movie. That's the. That's yeah, and the, I love the, in documentaries where they do kind of go yeah. through how they did well, the how, how they got to, yeah. You know, so the way that they picked, um, you know, Julie Andrews to be in the film was they had been considering a lot of different people, you know, and it's names that we recognize. Mary Martin, Betty Davis, Angela Lansbury. Hello, Murder, She Wrote, right? They were considering those people, but then some, they saw um, uh, Julie Andrews performing on the Ed Sullivan show. Mm. The cast of Camelot was on the Ed Sullivan show and they saw her and they were like, eh, Clearly, that's Mary Poppins. And with Dick Van Dyke's casting was really interesting that uh, Walt Disney had actually seen a quote from Dick Van Dyke in a paper 
saying that he didn't like how cinema was trending toward dirty movies. Okay? Yes. And that Walt had Disney me called that. him in for a meeting because he agreed. <laughs> he called him in for a meeting and then essentially ended up offering him the role. Wow. You know? I wow. love having that. Yeah, they didn't like dirty movies, but Bert definitely had some friends. <laughs> yeah, that um that scene that the, the, the rooftop scene, and I think that could transition us into talking about the set pieces because let's do it. That was a great scene. Mm. And I feel like it was not only just a great musical number, it was also just visually Absolutely. stunning seeing them dance and it did seem when they when it gets dark and, and you're like seeing the silhouettes dancing and um the silhouettes disappearing into the chimneys and stuff like that yeah the whole movie was packed with these things that it's like the performances are great absolutely in addition to them being great they also made these scenes kind of a separate and simultaneous thing almost like you could watch it on mute and it would still be interesting to watch absolutely yeah. and you bro know. in that scene they originally intended they were trying to cut it down to two minutes and oh, it no, ended no, up no. being like i think it was 13 or 14 yeah and he, uh, including we need it the all time the when the chimney sweeps are back in the house because yeah. they were coming up with so many good ideas yeah we needed all those minutes and we every needed minute. every single minute yeah. and they um this whole entire film by the way was shot on the sound stage and at the walt at, at walt disney studios in burbank california wow. so every single background was a painted london wow. background yeah. so oh, all so of gorgeous. this was set that is okay. something. That's awesome. All right. So, did you find any information about how, like, was it, you know, how when Avatar came out in our time, right? It was like this big thing. Was it like that for Mary Poppins? Did anybody do any research on that? I'm just curious. Because it seemed to say like that, bro, because yeah. I assumed that the fact that there was live action happening alongside animation, that that was innovative for the time. Mm. Now, it was a good, it was excellent quality for the time. Mm. But the truth is, when this movie was filmed in the 60s, that had already been happening for a long time. Gotcha, in fact, gotcha, gotcha. the first movie that featured live action alongside a um, animation was actually in 1900. I oh. A silent film called The Enchanted Drawing. Did you happen to look it up? I didn't. And watch it? I didn't. I, 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 didn't. I, I saw that, a little that, excerpt that, of yeah, it, and I'm it curious. was like a little yeah. girl floating okay, gotcha, oddly gotcha. in a... <laughs> I only watched like two seconds of it. Um, but you saw it. It the, was clearly animation, yeah. like a little gotcha. drawing coming to life. And um, in one of the interviews, when they were talking about that, they were talking about that interaction between like the live action and the animation in Mary Poppins. They were saying that that had been an integral part of Walt Disney Studios since its opening. Gotcha. So there had apparently been other films where they okay, used gotcha, that mechanism. Gotcha. But by then, of course, the technology had been improved. Right. And they were just saying they had some of the best animators working right. on the film. So they just had so the really good people. Level, yes, yeah, it was a quality thing more than the innovation. Had been out there. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Makes sense. But it looked makes good. Because it even looks good now. It even looks I love good that now. Song. Like, like, yeah, it doesn't take you. Even though it's in 1964, the the um effects don't take you out of it. 
Like there was, it was almost sounds like press like where are the strings? Like I don't yes. Like, yes. you know, so it was absolutely it was good. I agree with you. And I love that song. It was almost like the song that never ends. Cause it was like she was like, they saw her sash. They were like, vote for women. I'm the la 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 That is something time. Step in time. Vote for women. And that is something I would do with my friends. 100 yes. percent like yes. if we if we caught on to something like that and we decided it would go to anything we yes. would just do it it all was like the, the dad is home dad is home i was like what is happening right now hey y'all yeah. when the little I, boy I tried to leave with them <laughs> he and i hate so to i hate to make it a little a little sad but i'm i'm gonna oh. read y'all i wondered oh, about chimney go. sweeps y'all did this make you want to understand chimney sweeps like i i thought it was interesting. Not happening there because i was like what they and they they dirty up the whole house oh that <laughs> house was covered in soot it was in soot <laughs> and so on imdb one of the tri- trivias that they had listed there yeah. was about the chimney sweeps and i'm just i'm just going to read it straight so in the movie, you guys remember that they that one of the things Mary Poppins and Bert kept saying is that if you shake the hand of a chimney sweep, it would bring you good luck. Right. right? So after that scene where all the chimney sweeps are in the house <laughs> and they all leave, it's like a dozen of them or more, and they all shake the father's hand. The little boy's like, oh man, dad's gonna be full of luck. Cause he's <laughs> <laughs> this little bit of trivia is addressing that that little um comment. So the tradition of good luck rubbing off when shaking hands with the chimney sweep is one with a bittersweet meaning. Because of the inhalation of coal dust, the life of a chimney sweep tended to be rather short and to end up unable to work and spending his final days in poverty. As Mm. chimney sweeps had poor luck combined with short lives, the notion was that the luck that they couldn't have for themselves could be transferred. given to other people. Uh... But I was really depressing. Thank you, Janai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if you that. guys want some other bad news. <laughs> <laughs> depressing story, step in time. Step in time. Yes. Yes. Okay, so y'all, we we it, it wasn't in the recap, and we haven't talked about it to this point. But there was this other little random character in the movie, which was this 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 retired, you know. Retired corporal, a retired army person yeah. who was who had turned his house into a battleship and he would be up on the roof it's worse than apartment living <laughs> up it's on the roof you know worse. essentially he was aimless obviously because all he would do every single hour is set off a cannon to try to mark the hour okay that's all he ever did with his life okay and he was one of those people that was obviously revered and respected in the community so they were just letting him do this he would just they uh, were prepped hour, for it Every hour, everything. Was I thought it was just at eight like p.m. It. I thought it was just at eight p.m. Oh, it was every hour. Oh, I thought it was just at eight p.m. I th- no, I thought it was on the hour. Oh, hold on now, and now yeah. it's at the hour. Somewhat. Yeah, because they did it a lot. Yeah, it was on yeah, the hour, so. and I and I don't want to talk about too much about the sequel and take us down that path. But I did start Be- watching. Head, step in time. I started watching the sequel, and in the sequel, he's still up there doing it. <laughs> and in the sequel he has gotten so old and off his rocker at this point that he's off and so <laughs> he's actually like four minutes late <laughs> and so it's like every hour but four minutes off 
anyway um so on the topic of like really sad takeaways that we can all have um there's, <laughs> there's a point where that character he is on his roof as he is usually with no other purpose in his life and he sees him and his own boy <laughs> he sees the chimney suites over there dancing and having a good time with mary poppins and bert and the kids and what does he do? He says, oh no, the hot and tots are coming to attack us. And he sets <laughs> off fireworks to try to take them out. Okay. And you'll recall that that's what causes the chimney sweeps to scrub right. off the roof. Right, right, right. Off the roof, right. Well, I don't know why. Maybe I was sleepy. I don't know. But that term, him saying the hot and tots are coming to get <laughs> it made me literally like I choked in my drink I was drinking. I laughed out loud and I just thought it was so funny. And then I was talking to James and Brittany and James laughing still about it. And James was like, you know, that's a racist term. Oh, that's a funny term. He's just saying hot and tots. He's off. He's off his rocker. That's funny. Y'all, hot and tots is not funny. Okay. What is a hot and tot? Well, I'm happy you asked. A hot and tot is a term that is used to refer to the Khoi Khoi peoples of South Africa and Namibia. The term comes from the Dutch. Oh, wow. Perhaps a repetitive formula in a Nama dancing song transferred by Dutch sailors to the people themselves or from the German hotterin totterin stutter with a, which is, they, it, it is like a, a derogative reference to the click language of these people. So when he was saying the hot and tots are coming to get us, it was because the chimney sweeps were dressed in all black and covered in soot. Racist moments up in time. 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 We were in such a positive place. Just, it feels like it was so long ago we were in positive. That's the thing. They did it with intention. It's like they were, this movie was being made in the 60s, about 1910. And so they were making choices about how to show what life and psychology might have been like in and, London in 1910. In 1910. Yeah. And they did uh, it. And they yeah. did They're it. gracious, they did it. They did. But y'all, if James had not said that, I would have been on this podcast laughing about hot and tots. Like, oh, that's, that's so funny. Because I thought it was just like a, like, you know, you know, I don't know, like a little you know, you, like say, words you, 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 say that, you say that, but I I can't see you not researching that. Like, like I, 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 I can't see, like, I think because James told you, your brain didn't have to go there, but I, I don't, I think when you get into your Janiya cycle and then you <laughs> decided you wanted to talk about that, I'm not saying whatever, but I just can't see you not saying Oh, maybe I need to see what that is just real quick. And like I, I think your brain. Maybe you're right, bro. I think your brain would have got there. Because I, I think that that really, that really, and, and after knowing that, I had a little while where it wasn't funny anymore. That yeah. scene, because it's like, man, why you gotta be like that? Oh why man, you gotta say that, man. But then I started laughing even more because it is true. Like when I talk to white friends. They talk about how their grandparents are like so racist and like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's right now. And it's like the so when they like when I when I'm like even with professional colleagues like when you know part of the work that I do with social justice organizations is to help them put strategies in place to um to remove implicit bias from the work they're doing and that journey includes learning your own bias 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And finding out ways that you can make different choices to try to mitigate some of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, it's a, in that process, you end up talking about how you came to be the way you are. And it you end up reflecting on like your childhood and your family, your friends and your people around you. And this story of like, man, from white people talking about like, yeah, my grandfather just as this past Thanksgiving made this horrible racist joke. It's real. It's real. So then when I, when I could think about it that way, it was, I, I was allowed, I could allow myself to laugh at that scene. You because know, it was just, just the real thing. It wasn't like, oh, let's place this in here. And d-. no, we're, we're talking about all the things of that time. We're talking about the suffragette movement. We're talking about yes. these types of statements that would be made in these contexts. We're, yes. we're talking about all of this. Um, something I will say that I guess is kind of not sad, but more so like a, a more somber moment in the film uh, was the toppings. And so I want to tell you guys Tuppins. this. Tuppins. Tuppins. There we go. Which is two cents. It was like about two, it's like two cents. Two Tuppins. cents. I was watching, I, I, I get mixed up on My Fair Lady and, and Mary Poppins. And I didn't realize that until I was sitting there and I was like, wait, does this movie have the Toppins song or does My Fair Lady have the Toppins song? I I was literally having a moment like I don't know my brain was melding the two. I was like, why did I do that? Is there a pigeon moment in My Fair Lady? I cannot remember right now. Okay, okay. Is that so what's happening? Here, here's here's what I think you. I'm just guessing, sis. Here's what I think you might be pulling together. So for those who might not have seen Mary Poppins, there is a scene in the movie with um there's a there's a woman who sits on the steps of like a um a government building in the square and she says feed the birds tuppence a bag feed the birds and um and the mary poppins makes it a song feed the birds tuppence a bag and what she's actually doing is teaching the children how to make sure that they're they're paying attention to people and not being self-involved and she was trying to show them that your father, he walks through his life self-involved. And that's something we all need to kind of like strive against. We need to, to have our eyes open and see what's around us. And so she talks to them about the, this woman on the stairs and she's there covered in birds. Okay. Talking about feed the birds, tuck into bag. I thought, sis, of the scene from Home Alone with that bird lady in the park. But the scene I think you're thinking about in Eliza Doolittle is in the very beginning in My Fair Lady, where she's in the square trying to sell flowers. And she's talking about, I think she even says like, tough it. Like she's trying to sell that little bundle of flowers for, for money. Yeah. And, and I think that what it is? Says tuppence, I think. Okay. Because I was just like, I was like, why is that in a, a different movie for me? No, what I can see those right two now? in your mind getting <laughs> conflated that scene of her trying to sell them flowers. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what she said, but I think she was saying like, oh, tuppence for the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and it takes a lot to make it. I saw Audrey Hepburn, right? <laughs> it takes a lot to make her look dirty. Like how they did that is you're that's awesome but that's what we're talking about what we're talking about right now is but i just i appreciate that because then this movie in perfect arc fashion 
whenever the father got a call after all the ruckus happened from um, Michael trying to get his tuppence back from the head of the bank, he got fired. And as he was on his way back, he stopped and looked at the stairs where that woman normally selling mm -hmm. the bags of food for the pigeon would have been sitting almost like to himself. Like I never paid attention to that. Yeah. I, like I, I never noticed that. And now that I have this time, it's nine o'clock at night. There's nobody else out. I know that I'm walking to go get fired. My, my mind is open now in a sense. Um, so, and even to that point, which uh, to go back to Dick Van Dyke, he played this character of this old man in this movie. And so just Did to even remember see that his talent. I vaguely remember that, but to confirm it, I had to look it up. I was like, I think that's Dick Van Dyke. And yeah, I, I, I meant to look that up too, but I, I never did. But I was like, I that think, was I think him. Yeah. That was mm -hmm. him, but I, I mm -hmm. can't even act like I knew that. I no, didn't, I, I didn't had, even know I, it. When he was end, before, it was watching was thinking, it now where I was like, I was like, like that's Dick Van Dyke? Yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. What he did, because I was like, I remember that being him, but also being like, they did a great job of it not looking like him. But again, to his physical comedy, yeah. to how he was, <laughs> he did an amazing job. He did an amazing job. So, um, but them just even showing in, in that bank this this type of I am a banker and this is what we do with money and this is what's supposed to happen. And their dancing was just walking straight and turning yeah. almost military style. I was like, who again, the choreographer, for you to come up with something like this, these old men clearly past their time of even needing to be working in this place right now with their old antiquated mindsets and things of that nature. Yeah. Them showing that like, what would those type of men do in this moment? They wouldn't do much. They would just walk in line and go like this to right. each other. And, walk <laughs> and, and that, that since you, you, you really just made a commercial right now for the documentary. Because in the documentary, they taught, and if, if it, and I, I personally would recommend it. I, if you if you have any interest in in the Mary Poppins movie, if you enjoy it, I would recommend this documentary. You can find it on YouTube for free. Um, the making of Mary Poppins. It's it's only an hour long, less than a little less than an hour, and in it, the choreographers and even the the the, the people who who wrote the the songs, they all talk about their process of how they made their way to this choreography for this scene and how they might've started with a dance movement that was an old English folk dance. And then they oh, used wow. that. Like the step in time core dance was an old English, like mm, the, the core movement yeah. was, was, was actually, a, 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 they pulled a historic nugget to get to that. And it was the same thing for the bankers. They were pulling from songs of the time, a type of music of the time to get to a feel for that song. Wow. And then they went from there to get to the lyrics and to get to the movements. And they unpack all of that in the documentary in a way that is so interesting. And um, that's a segue for me to be able to actually just give a quick comment on understanding uh, my understanding of the production process that came from watching this documentary and made me actually appreciate the movie even more. The documentary was really a peek into the way that Walt Disney Studios worked at the time. 
And I will tell you, if I, the way that I always thought movies came together, honestly, was something a little bit more linear. I always thought that maybe the writing happened and then the acting happened and then the music happened yeah. or something very linear like that, you know. Um, but that's not at all how it was going down. And I'm sure not how it goes down today. It was a very iterative process. And mm. the music was being decided as the dialogue was being decided, as the choreography was being decided. And all of those pieces were really all alive in terms of the creation process at the same time in a way that they could go back and revisit the music if they came up with a new dance idea. You know, mm, yeah. or they could go back and revisit the dialogue if something happened in the animation that required them to do it. And I just thought that was really, really eye-opening. It's something that made watching the movie feel even more precious. And it also helps you to understand why it takes multiple years to make a movie like this. You know, it's not a one-year process. I know this movie was at least two and a half years because it was two and a half years into the process that they finally had enough of a product that they could take it for approval to the writer of the original wow. um, Mary Poppins books to, to, to Travers. Um, and so that was only two and a half years into the process. I don't even know how long it took for the movie to be finished. So um, I, and maybe, <laughs> maybe this is a segue to get to the vote y'all, you know, yeah, because, because that, that 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 understanding of the production process is definitely something I, I am considering as I determine what my vote will be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think we vote? talked about it all. We talked about the acting and performances, the, the music. We didn't talk and... about the kids. I don't. Should we spend a second on the children? It would be a oh, yeah, probably yeah, yeah. But not to know, talk about the kids. And that's another reason why I wouldn't say kids movie. I mean, it, the kids were there. But they weren't like you think about when they first jumped into chalk painting. The kids didn't show up until they went to the um merry-go-round. Merry mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so it was like in a whole big chunk of that. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. then when and then when the, the races were happening, it was even there was still focus on Mary and Bert. More, you know, Mary was the one who won. That's how we got the segue into the song Super Califragilistic. Um, so I'm saying they didn't feel like a focus, but I thought they did good. And I, and I, and I thought they were good for what they were. And there were parts I was planning on. I thought I was going to be cringy, but weren't because like when they were about to read the, um, the letter, uh, the, their list of requirements, I was like, okay, brace yourself. This is going to be. But it wasn't. I didn't feel that way. Like when it, and so I feel like they did good in the context for what they what they were doing. But I don't think they were. The movie's called Mary Poppins, and and the kids were more side actors than supposed to be the real focus at all. What do you think, sis, of the kids' performance and their and their role in the in the story? This is right there with me when it comes to like uh like how cute drew barrymore was in et like, <laughs> as i'm watching these two they're so cute and yeah, you can cute. tell yeah, that they're, they're not they're they're mischievous in a way that is children 
children are curious. Right. They, you know, they, they have questions and they run off, they come back, you know, they do all these things. They're not necessarily trying to wreak any havoc, but they're just, they're just kids. And so, yeah, I thought that they were so, so cute. Every time the little voices, we're sorry, father. I was like, they really are sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought they were so cute. Yeah, I agree with y'all. I thought the children, they were not in there to sing. They were not in there to dance. They were there to be cute. And yeah. they did a hell of a Mission job. accomplished. Yeah, Mission they were very Mission accomplished. You know, and the girl there. looks like somebody I met, I, I meant to research it because I'm just curious. I can't place it. I feel like she looks like an actor from today. Somebody who maybe in her lineage somewhere. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like look that. that. But I, I, that's just a random thought from my, it was one of those things like, I feel like she looks like somebody. Yes. And you I love how I'd they just give you all oh. some other horrible mm-hmm. news as we wrap um, just to make sure everybody's just appropriately sad oh um, at the end of our discussion of this delightful I movie. I know, this um, part is sad. Mm. The actor that played the the little boy, okay, Michael. his name Play was Michael. Matthew Garber. Mm-hmm. He actually passed away at the age of 21. He was oh. so young. Yeah, he was so young. Well, a... He died of hepatitis. He got oh sick. God. Mm-hmm. He got sick. And so he wasn't in the documentary and they addressed it mm-hmm. as, you know, he got sick very young. And the um, actress that played Jane, that played the sister, she was like, you know, we had really grown apart. We didn't really keep in touch. And she said, and obviously I regretted that, you know, mm-hmm. when I found out he was sick and had passed away, but he he caught hepatitis, y'all. Yeah. Um, and his life was so short. He was born in 1956, passed away in 1977. He hmm. did. He they they did an amazing job of being innocent, and yeah. I appreciate they, that. they played yeah. the role. They played the role perfectly. Yeah, didn't overdo it, underdo it. Nope, perfect. Mm-hmm. Nope. And I also appreciated that they didn't have like you know there's like oh this sibling rivalry we're always trying to beat each other up and all these different things. It wasn't like that at all. It was almost made me question. I was like, is one older than the other, or are they twins? Like, what has happened? Like, you know, are they fraternal twins? Like, is something it's going probably on? Probably because they didn't have a middle child to um isolate and attack. Go to the vote, bro. <laughs> Yeah, let's just I we mean, this, this we don't got no time for no just, therapy session at the end. I don't that's understand the child why, that we, why somebody is just so hell bent on derailing of malicious sibling behaviors. I mean, she's still sad with all that beautiful artwork in the background. <laughs> this well, is I what have we to really need some to kind discuss. Of way to my soul, I have to my soul. That giant African necklace in the corner. Mm-mm. She just and, and, and I don't it, know this how is not enough. It's and not I, I don't know how it shows on your on your she's in the middle <laughs> on my on my zoom. Oh, she's no. the, so she's just in a perfect <laughs> position to be complained and be the focus. Just and deny being the focus. Yeah. Just, just like always. So yeah, always. it's perfect. <laughs> it's fine. But I love the part when he was protecting her from the 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 chimney sweet man because he was getting get your hands off my sister and I was like I know that's right Michael oh, <laughs> that's so they were Michael's so ready to go cute. he was ready, ready to go, go. He was he ready to go. Go. that's right he was going Take to do whatever to he could bro. 
Well, yes. I mean, I, I think anybody watching this podcast, it's not a real big revelation. <laughs> oh, I wonder what they're going to say. We started off like, so today we're doing what are our, our favorite movies for Chelsea? That's the best movie ever in history. Um, we watch it every movies. week and we dissect it. <laughs> but it does not get my umbrella. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Duh. Duh. What's up oh. with that? What's up with that? What, what's, what, what's up with subverting expectations? No, I, gotcha. obviously. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, right perspective. Not a classic. Not, not only is it a classic for me. So, yes, it most certainly gets my umbrella. But uh, you know what? It should have been a vote. Should have been between umbrella or turned inside out umbrella. That's what the vote <laughs> should have been. Yeah. But no. But no. It it, it definitely gets my umbrella. But not only that, it is a movie I will watch every now and then. Like like, and I wouldn't have unless we did this. But I'm just saying because it's amazing how there are memories of things that first of all I could come back from from that long ago. Like. When, when they were about to punch his head, like, you know, just that kind of stuff came back. Or like when the daddy was, um, nannies were getting blown away and the one, she was like fully sprawled. Oh, like, yes. like the one, and she, she was like one of the last ones. And I remember laughing at that. So I forgot how much of an impact, you know what I mean? Like different yeah. parts had on me, but just watching as an adult, I can appreciate the um, performances on a different level. So it's definitely like if, if we were, let's say I was talking about musicals to friends or something, and I wanted to pull out an example, that's one of the ones I would pull out. So yes, it definitely gets my umbrella, definitely. It. Well, you yeah. know, you all believe it or not, when I first finished watching it, I was not completely ready to call oh, it classic. I really, really? wasn't. I wasn't. And the truth is though that your 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 state of mind in the moment contributes so much to your experience yeah. of mm -hmm. watching a movie. And I I think that I was distracted. I had a lot going on that you know that day. Um and so I enjoyed it, but it I it wasn't a magical experience in watching mm -hmm. it, you know. And then I watched the documentary. And then I had some time to reflect. Um, and that was when I started to realize that this movie to was is special to me, you know, um, because of the whimsy of it, you know, there was something that they said in the documentary that about Walt Disney's intention in making this film, but also in general, it is to make something that he thinks kids would like to see, not what their parents want them to see. And that's what I thought. I thought, you know what, this movie lives into that. And for that reason, it's very special to me. Um, the other thing about the documentary that, that again, I was just, there was so much to process for me after watching the documentary, it was appreciation for the production process, but there were also some things that, um, you know, raised my eyebrow, not in a way of surprise, but in a, in a, in a real genuine way of like, we got to factor it in. The vast majority of the creators of that movie were white men. You know, and that is the case when you watch any of these, these kind of peel backs into yeah. children's books, children's mm -hmm. movies. Um, it's white men 
determining for us what is funny, what is precious, what is beautiful. Um, and I had to process that as well. And after I did that, I was like, you know what, even kind of taking that into account, there's something in this movie that is so innocent and so pure in terms of like the children's experience of just wanting attention and the journey of watching parents that are too distracted to give it to them, mm. learn the importance of giving them some attention. There's something so innocent in that storyline that you cannot help. Well, for me, I could not help but to say, you know what, this movie does a really great job of, of, of teaching that lesson, telling that story and being a movie that children would like to see, yeah. you know? Um, and then when we started to reflect specifically on the contributions of Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, I mean, they are amazing in this yeah. movie. They are yeah. amazing in this movie. So I, I have to be honest and say that after watching it, I didn't turn off the, you know, mm -hmm. click the remote and say, yeah. Yeah, that was it. It, it, it wasn't like that for mm -hmm. me, but I got there through reflection mm -hmm. and through starting to, to appreciate um, you know, some of the pieces of the complexity of the story and the creation of the movie. And um, through just starting to, with intention, celebrate Julie Andrews for her birthday, I started to think, gosh, for this to be her first feature film, girl, you did that thing, girlfriend. Okay. Um, and in the documentary, she just talks about that she didn't know camera crew, ca camera cues. She was like, I didn't know how to do the close up and then you do the middle range and then you do the long range. She was like, I had to learn all of that. You know, and then you see Dick Van Dyke reflecting and talking about how masterfully she did it as if it was not her first feature film, you know. Just talent. Um, so anyway, it was in yeah. taking a more holistic view mm -hmm. that I made my way to this movie being a classic for me. So it does get my umbrella. Mm -hmm. Well. It does definitely get my umbrella. And it's just really simply because I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I love, there were parts that I was looking for. And while I didn't have moments where I was laughing out loud, um, I definitely smiled as I watched mm -hmm. the entire film and I appreciated the nostalgia of it. And I do believe that it still holds up to being something that is enjoyable. Um, and that I feel any child that, as we still have children who are innocent, uh, would love and just enjoy the fun things, watching penguins dance on a screen and, you know, your horse being able to jump off of a Ferris wheel. So now when you're watching that and you a go carousel. to a, local, uh, a carousel, thank you. Now when you're watching it and you go to an amusement park, there's a child now thinking to themselves that, Oh, I wish, you know, this could jump off and I could ride through the, the rest of the amusement park, you know, so I, I appreciate those types of things because they have their place and they have their purpose. So it gets my umbrella. Well, woo, there you have it. Okay, y'all. In celebration of you, Julie Andrews, you know, happy birthday. Mary Poppins is a classic from the right perspective. This was a fun one, bro and sis. We love you. Thank you all for tuning in. We love y'all. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love y'all.